All right, so this morning I'd like us to turn in our Bibles to two passages of Scripture. And I want us to turn to Matthew chapter 14 in one hand and John chapter 6 in the other. And we're going to read these, um, uh, starting with John, and then we'll read Matthew. And these are the same event. And I, I, I want us to look at something this morning. And I guess if I had to really put a title on this message, I, I, w- I would call it the fear of the unknown. The fear of the unknown. Um, if you go through and you're reading your Bible and, and you see these accounts that are here in Scripture, you, you, you find some very interesting things about what was going on in the life of the disciples here. And uh, they, they were put in a predicament uh, that was put there on purpose. Uh, they were told to do something very specific that really caused them a great amount of fear and anxiety. And one thing that I, I constantly want to always go back to is when we talk about emotions, emotions have a singular purpose. The emotions that we experience in life are always meant to draw us nearer to Christ. Not to push us away, not to push us away from from fellow believers, as we were talking about this morning, you know, the importance of that, not to, to, if you will, cause us to isolate, which many times those emotions do, not as to get us to focus on the wrong thing, but to focus on Christ, to focus on Him. And we always break it down to about four main emotions. And we talk about happiness, we talk about fear, and we talk about anger, and then we also talk about sadness. And things like sadness, sorrow, depression, grief, they all come under the one. Things about uh, anger and wrath and uh, and uh, uh, malice and, and sometimes, if you will, things of violent behavior can go under that category of anger. We talk about fear and sometimes that can involve anxiety, but the, sometimes that mixes in with, with sadness and grief and sometimes with happiness, with elation and anticipation. And again, when we talk about happiness... We see things that are, are, are related to, uh, to, to, to kind of, if you will, having gladness and, and uh, merriment and, and things of that nature in our heart. But one thing that we know is that we have to use our emotions to please God. Everything that we do, according to Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, is intended to please God. We are created to please Him. We are created for His pleasure. We are created to do His will. Now, very specifically, that means that we have to use everything that we have at our disposal, every tool, including the emotions that He gives us, we are to use them for His honor, for His glory, and His praise. So if an emotion is not being used for that, then we have to check the emotion. We have to check whether or not we're using it correctly. We have to check whether or not we're, we're, we're approaching the thought process of it correctly. And again, we are to control those emotions, and we are not to let them dominate over us. They are not to be over us in such a way that they control our lives, but we control them, meaning that we use them for that purpose of drawing close to our Savior drawing nearer to him each day. So I want to take a look at these two passages, but before we do that, 
I want to open it with a word of prayer and then we'll get started. Dear Heavenly Father, again, I thank you for the time. I thank you again, Lord, that we have an opportunity, Lord, to study your word. I pray, Lord, as we look to this, you'll just give us a very clear understanding of these passages. That as we read them, Lord, you would work in our hearts with your Holy Spirit. That, Lord, you would show us, you would teach us, you would give us the the truth, the knowledge, the wisdom, and the understanding that is contained therein. And, Lord, if necessary, conviction and correction, that we would please you and that we would honor you. Lord, again, I thank you for all that you've done for us. I thank you that we can trust in you. I thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit that does teach us and convict us. I thank you for your word that gives us the answers that we need in our day-to-day life. And I pray, Lord, that we would just endeavor to please you with our hearts and our minds as we focus upon you, that all of us here, Lord, would be of one body, one unison, one mind, coming together and saying, I want to please you, Lord. I want to hear you, your word. And, Lord, I want to worship you by doing your will. Lord, please prepare our hearts for the message that you have for us. And this I ask in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. So in John chapter 6, uh, I want us to go down to verse 15. It says, When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again into a mountain himself alone. Now, this is right after the feeding of the 5,000, okay? And it says in verse 16, and when, it, and when even was now come, his disciples went down under the sea and entered into a ship and went over the sea toward Capernaum. And it was now dark and Jesus was not come to them. And the sea arose by reason of a great wind that blew. So when they rode about five and twenty or thirty furlongs, they see Jesus walking on the sea. And drawing nigh unto the ship, and they were afraid. But he saith unto them, It is I, be not afraid. Then they willingly received him into the ship, and immediately the ship was at the land whither they went. So let's go over to the book of Matthew now. Matthew chapter 14, and we're going to see the parallel passage. And we're going to be going back and forth between these. And I want us to keep note of some of the words and some of the the, the phrases that God uses to describe what's going on here. And in Matthew chapter uh, 14, <clears throat> turn over there to um, uh, <clears throat> verse 22. It says, In straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. And when he sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was uh, come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. In the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus said, I spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And then we have Peter walking on the water and, and that issue, but we're not going to focus on that this, evening, or this morning. But here in this passage, we see that the disciples 
were in a, were, they were in trouble. They were in a bit of a situation where there was a lot of unknowns. There was a lot of, if you will, uh, 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 what ifs that were going to start happening. There was a lot of questions about what exactly was going on. And, and just so that we understand the picture, here it is beginning to get dark. It's getting towards the evening time. It's getting late. There was probably, you know, evidence that there was a bit of a storm, that there was some sea that was a little choppy, that it was not going to be favorable. Because those that were, were the sailors, those that were the, the people that were in the boats and in those ships, they knew how to read those things. They knew how to read the sky. They knew how that when storms were coming, they, they could understand those things. And here is a situation that Jesus purposefully put them in. If you take a look there in the book of Matthew, in Matthew chapter 22, uh, it, it says he constrained them. Constrained them. To constrain somebody means that you are forcefully telling them to do it. So I want you to, to understand here that at this point in time, they were very reticent about going onto the sea. If you've ever been out in the middle of a lake or an ocean at night, you know that it's pretty dark. You know that there is a lot of darkness that exists. You know there's a lot of, if you will, uh, 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 unknowns about what's there. And then you begin to add storms. You begin to add problems like that. You begin to add issues. Guess what happens? You now begin to, if you will, imaginate. Imagination takes over. And you begin to start thinking, man... Am I in the right place at the right time? Should I really be here? What am I doing right now? And and, and this is the situation. It's dark. There's no lights. There's no lighthouse. You know, any light that they could try to keep going at that point in time probably was continually getting extinguished. And here they are, and as it says, it's there in the midst of the sea. They've gone out, as it says here, 25, 30 furlongs. And that's a good distance. They're several miles out. They're away from shore. And they're in there, and they're rowing, and they're rowing, and they're rowing, and they're trying to, if you will, get to a point to, uh, where they can actually get to where they need to be. And, and, and they're trying, and, and it's, it seems like it's a futile thing, because we see here, it says it was tossed about with waves. There was storm, there was wind. I mean, if you take a look at what he says here in, uh, in, in, in Matthew chapter 14, it says in verse 24, uh, it says it was tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. The wind was contrary. And I'll tell you this, you know what, you're going to run into a lot of things in your life that are contrary to what you thought would happen. They're going to be contrary to what you planned. I remember in business, uh, in the business classes that I took in college, 
And they were always talking about, you know, the five-year, the 10-year, the 15-year, the 20-year, the long-term plans and all of that. And, and look, you know, it is good to prepare. It's good to plan some things out. But again, you got to understand, situations and circumstances change. You have to be adaptable. And many times we're not. Many times we're not adaptable. Many times we run into situations where we don't want to change the plan. But we have to. But here's a situation where the disciples were constrained by Christ. He's essentially, if you will, commanding them, forcing them, saying, look, you need to go. You need to go on the other side. But Jesus, aren't you coming with me? Aren't you coming with us? No. Well, when are you going to be there? I'll be there when I be there. Where are you going to meet us? I'll meet you over there. Where exactly? On what part of the shore? I mean, Capernaum's a big place. I mean, it's a larger port. Where, where exactly? I will meet you there. I will find you. And, and, and I'm sure they're sitting there and they're looking at and, and, and Peter looks at his watch and goes, I don't know, it's kind of getting late. Can't we just stay here for the night? And Jesus says, no. Go. James, John, familiar with fishing operations, are like, ah, you know, it's really dark, Lord, and uh, from what I see, that sky looks a little angry, and I don't know about this. And he constrains them, and he says, go to the other side. And when we think about that for a moment, and we think about what we need to do when it comes to dealing with what we're told to do, sometimes we get a lot of anxiety just from the commandment. Sometimes it builds up in us that we're trying to figure out exactly what God's trying to do at this point in time. And and I'm pretty sure that they maybe thought they had an idea of what was going to happen. They did definitely follow through. I mean, obviously, in, in, in John chapter 6, over there in verse 16, he says, when evening was come, his disciples went down into the sea and entered the ship and went over the sea toward Capernaum. So they very clearly, they're doing this. And it says very clearly in, in verse 17 of John chapter 6, and it was now dark and Jesus was not come to them. Now I want you to think about this. You put these two things together, you have it. They waited till the evening time to get ready to go and they're waiting 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 for Jesus to show up. They weren't quite jumping on that command to do it, were they? And they finally, they get in the boat and they said, well, Jesus said to go, let's go. And they start going. And by the time they're going and it's evening time and by the time they're out there, it's dark and, 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 and the wind starts up and they're getting buffeted about on that sea and it, it's a bit of a terrifying thing. And, and if you've ever been on a boat where it's going back and forth and up and down and sideways and backwards and every other which way that it's supposed to go, it's not a very pleasant feeling physically. 
I often wonder, poor Matthew's in that boat. He's just some tax collector. He wasn't a fisherman. He's probably holding on for dear life. He's probably sitting there thinking to himself, what did I get myself into in between chumming for fish? You know, here he is. He's probably sitting there thinking, why, why, why now? Peter, his brother, James and John, all sitting there thinking, not the right time, Lord, not the right time, not the right time. Fear comes up. Why did you, why did, why did he put us here? Why did he put us in the middle of this trial? Why did he put us right smack dab in the middle of this storm? Why did he put us out here and he's not even here? You know, we just sang a song, does Jesus care? And I guarantee you, you start going through some difficult times in your life and you will start having some fear and some anxiety. And you know what happens is those thought processes will creep in and it will begin to ask the question, does Jesus really care? Is Jesus really with me? And we begin to question the truth of the word of God. You purposely sent them away at a time when it was not the best and the most opportune time to go sailing. And he wasn't going to be with them. And Jesus Christ full well knew what was going to arise in their hearts. He full well knew that there was going to be a challenge for them. He full well knew that they were going to be afraid. And here's a very interesting thing. When we take a look over there in the book of Matthew, <clears throat> we see that it says in verse 25, in the fourth watch of the night, the very darkest time, if you will, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. They cried out for fear. And... We see over in John chapter 6 and verse 19, it says, So when they rode about to a twenty or five and twenty or thirty furlongs, they see Jesus walking on the sea, drawing nigh into the ship, and they were afraid. They were afraid. And here's what happened. Because of their fear, they had constrained themselves. They weren't thinking right. They weren't thinking with the right attitude. They weren't thinking with soundness of mind. Because Jesus said he was going to be with them. Jesus said to go to the other side. He gave them specific directions to do this. And here is Jesus at the very early part of his ministry, in the early stages of it, giving them a, 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 if you will, a test to see what would happen. 
What would they think? What would be their reaction? And here they are. They're already a little apprehensive. They're already a little bit filled with anxiety because of the circumstances and the situation that they're in. They're already pretty concerned, making sure that they don't drown in the boat. And the next thing they see is they see somebody walking on the water towards them. That doesn't happen. Nobody had ever seen that before. This wasn't a common thing. I want you to notice that the very first thing that they, they, they defaulted to was a default of the world. It's a spirit. Thinking as if it's some sort of other spirit, some sort of a supernatural thing that they were afraid of. During that day and age, superstition just ran amok throughout throughout Israel, throughout Jerusalem, throughout early Christianity. There are still people today. There are still Christians today. They're still, if you will, superstitious about things. Sometimes people will say something and then they'll go, well, you know, well, this will hopefully happen. And then they'll, what are you doing that for? Knock on wood, right? Superstition. Superstition. I tell you, a lot of Christians live their lives in superstition. You know what superstition will bring you? Fear and anxiety. Why? Because it's not true. It's made up. Here they are, and the first thing they do is they make up something. Their imagination runs wild. They see Jesus Christ, and the next thing that they do is they start thinking very differently. Now, now I want you to understand exactly what they just came off of. They just came off feeding 5,000 people with two loaves and three fishes. Or two loaves, three fish? Yeah, yeah, okay. I want you to think about that for a second. And they had baskets of leftovers. 5,000. That's just was, they just counted the men. That wasn't counting women and children. 5,000 plus people. Let's just say half those guys were married. Just half those guys being married, that's an additional 2,500. Now you got 7,500. Let's say half of them had at least one child with them. You start seeing those numbers going up, don't you? They just witnessed God do something great and miraculous. But the next thing they know is when they are constrained of Christ to go do something that is outside of their wheelhouse, that is outside of what they think they should be doing, that is outside their comfort zone, that is outside, if you will, of their area of thinking, the immediate default is, I am afraid.
And they're sitting there thinking that Jesus isn't with them. Jesus didn't come. He told them to go over to the other side. He told them very specifically that this is what was what his desire for them was. He departed alone to be by himself because he knew the circumstances of what was happening there. He knew that there was still something that he had to do. And here he is, he's sending away the multitudes, he's sending away the disciples so that he could be alone. And there they are without him. But the fact remains is that it was Jesus Christ. The fact remains that it was Jesus Christ that was coming. And I want us to think about this. When we are in a mentality of thought, where we're afraid, when we are in a mentality of thought where anxiety is overriding us, when we're in a mentality of thought where maybe we're just not thinking straight, don't be surprised when Jesus comes in a way that you don't anticipate. Yeah, I'll I'll say, you know, there's things in my life that the Lord provided in ways that I never thought he would have provided in. I mean, there's times where, you know, you're sitting there and you're wondering and you're you're, you're frustrated and you're thinking, uh, you know, Lord, I I don't know how I'm going to get through the end of the month. Just the, the money isn't there. And then God just does something. He's done that before. I remember one time we were sitting there and we're like, you know, money was tight. Go get the mail. There's a check from the insurance in the mail. Because there was not as many claims, we got a dividend back. And you know what? It was just enough. But thank God for it. Praise God. I wasn't expecting State Farm to be the one that provided it. <laughs> I really wasn't. You know, sometimes we sit there and think, well, maybe he's going to make that dollar stretch farther than... Well, yeah, you know what? He just he just told State Farm, I want you to put that check in the mail. I want you to send it to those people over there. Okay. And you're just like, does God really do that? Don't tell me he doesn't. Once you might be able to write it off twice. No. God has continually done that. God has continually provided. But I will tell you that sometimes when all of that is happening and when all of that occurs, we get frightened because of the way Jesus shows up. We get frightened because of the way he begins to work in our lives. He shows up by walking on water. 
in the middle of a storm with all sorts of stuff going on around him. And all of a sudden, here he is, he walks, he shows up, he's there at the boat, and they're all screaming. I'm sorry, vivid imagination. I could just see them, and they're out there, and they're rowing. And man, they're pushing on this thing. And, you know, they look over at, you know, Philip, Philip, you're not rowing hard enough. He's like, I'm rowing, I'm rowing. What are you talking about, man? You know, and they're rowing and they're trying to get going and they're trying to, and, and Peter's looking out there and he's trying to see what he can see. And then John's out there and he's like, I don't know. I can't see necessarily where land is. I can't see anything out here. It's dark. I don't see any lights on the shore. I don't see anything. And then there, there's, there's James and he's like, wait a second. John, what's that? John looks. Peter, what's that? Peter's like, that looks like a man. In the middle of the water? He's, he's, he's walking towards us. And there's Matthew in the back, shriek. Ah! <laughs> Fear! I can see this happening. I can see these guys. And it says they cried out. So yes, it says they cried out for fear. They were not sitting there just like, oh, no, they were screaming in the boat. Could you imagine 12 disciples screaming in a boat? Men of God screaming in a boat. I'll never forget my very first manly man macho mountain mission that I went on with the church. Wasn't that manly? <laughs> really wasn't. You know it's not manly when in the middle of it, all of a sudden we decide we're going to go to the Chevron for snacks. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> not that manly. So, but you know, a couple of us brought up some paintball markers and they wanted to do something and I remember Pastor Shanks, Pastor Tim, he was out there, and, and we decided we were going to start playing at night. A bad idea. Just a bad idea. And uh, and I'm, I'm out there doing what I do best, just, just trying to act like a large bush and tree and not move. <laughs> and I hear some rustling, and I, and I can see a little bit of a shadowy figure, and I, and I, and I had an older paintball marker and it was loud. It sounded like a gun. And it, I, I look, I leveled that marker and I just like, pap, 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 fired and, and then it just shooting into the bush blind. You're not supposed to do that in paintball. But we weren't really playing by any rules at that point in time. And I'm firing blindly into this bush and all of a sudden I hear this scream. And I'm like, what was that? And I realized it was Tim. And, and I just like, oh my word. I scared him half to death. He was, he was frightened. He wasn't expecting that. He was heading one direction. He thought I was over here. He didn't realize I was on his flank. And when I shot, it scared him and he cried out with fear. And then he got, he said he got hit. And then after the game was done, I came and I said, where did I get you, man? And he just kind of hangs his head and he said, you didn't. <laughs> I'm like, I didn't get you. 
He said, no. I said, why did you scream hit? He said, I was scared. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? I can only think, in my mind, that's how these disciples were. There's been times that I have been scared that I have made an audible cry and scream at the top of my lungs because of fear. But here's the issue. It was Christ. They weren't expecting Him to come that way. It was unknown to Him or to them at that time. To think that somebody could walk on water? They weren't capable of doing that. That's why you see Peter going, I want to try it. But here's the situation. I want you to notice the the way that Jesus Christ responds to them. In John chapter 6 and verse 20, he says, It is I, be not afraid. It is I, be not afraid. In Matthew chapter 16, excuse me, chapter 14, he says over there, as they're, as they're, they're crying, uh, crying out in verse 27, it says, but straightway Jesus spake unto them saying, be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And I want you to understand, if you just kind of back into this situation, back into this statement, he gives them a command of be not afraid. Be not afraid. But the greatest part about the be not afraid is he says, it is I. It is I. Do you know what great comfort there is when we're in the middle of the unknown and we're racked with that fear and that anxiety and we're screaming in terror because we think something's happening and it's really not, but it's actually the Lord working. And he gives us that comfort and he says, be not afraid, it is I. You realize that the Lord put them in those circumstances so that he could come and tell them that they would have comfort to know that during the time of their you know, biggest concern, their greatest concern, when they thought they were alone, that he was saying, it is I. When we go through the biggest trials and the biggest problems that we have in our life and we realize that the Lord is there and he's showing up in a way that obviously we never expected and he says, be not afraid, it is I. The comfort. The Lord giving us reassurance. He's doing it. It's him. Every fear, it always comes back to the Lord. Every problem, it comes back to the Lord. Every difficulty in this life, it comes back to the Lord. Every single time. And why is that? 
Because in the situations and the circumstances that we're in, God very clearly tells us, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He tells us in Romans 8, nothing will separate us from the love of Christ. He is very near to us, it says in the book of Acts. So much so that that, that really, we begin to realize exactly how close Jesus Christ is. You know, they they had leapt to a wrong conclusion. They thought it was some sort of ghost or spirit or some sort of, you know, you know, entity that was out there. They didn't think it was Jesus. They didn't think it was Jesus till he talked to them. They didn't think it was Jesus till he spoke his word. And I'll dare say that we as Christians, we often get into a situation where where we look at the, 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 the circumstances around us and we look at all of the wind and the waves and everything else and we, we, we were already worked up and we're already to the point of where we don't really think that Jesus is going to come and there he is with us. We're not in our right mind. Go, go over to the book of Second Timothy. Second Timothy. Second Timothy chapter one. Second Timothy chapter one, and he says in verse seven, he says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Here he is telling fearful Timothy, don't be afraid. That's not the spirit God's given you. Don't, don't worry about it. That's not the spirit that God's given you. And he says it's of a sound mind. They weren't of the sound mind. They, they, they were freaking out. They just witnessed all these miracles happen. Why didn't one of them on there sit there and go, I wonder if that's Jesus. These were the ones that were closest to him. They couldn't recognize his form. They couldn't recognize his shape. Not until he spoke. Not until he spoke. But when we go back over to John chapter 6, I want you to see what happens here. When he says in verse 20, he saith unto them, It is I, be not afraid. Then they willingly received him into the ship. They willingly received him into the ship. Now we understand that, that, that Matthew accounts the issue of what's going on with Peter out there on the water. John doesn't account that in here. But what we do find is that they willingly received him into the ship. You know, at some point in time, they probably could have still started rowing. They could have kept rowing. They could have kept trying. They could have kept doing it under their own power and not getting far. Fighting against the wind and the waves. As Jesus is outside the boat saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. 
And the comfort that they had with those words when he said, be of good cheer, they willingly received him. And what happened? Now, obviously, we know what happened there with Peter. But when we look at what happens over here in the account in John, he says in verse 21, it says, and they willingly received him, and then they willingly received him into the ship, and immediately the ship was at the land whither they went. They're in the middle of the middle of the sea, fighting the winds and the right waves. Jesus gets in the ship because they willingly receive him. Boom. They're at land. That's a fast boat. That boat materialized from one place to another. Way before Star Trek ever thought of it. They were transported. Now, now I want you to think about this. They're in the middle of the sea where it's dark, stormy, waves getting tossed about. They're fearful. They're anxiety-ridden. And immediately when Jesus Christ begins to do what he does best, and he comforts them, saying, it is I, be not afraid. He says, be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Immediately what happens? The circumstances change. They didn't have anything to fear anymore. The problem was solved. All because Jesus got in the boat. And I look at the situation. And being somebody that has dealt with anxiety and has dealt with fears, I will tell you, when I willingly received Jesus into the situation and the circumstance, when I let him handle it, I don't have anything to worry about. I don't have anything that's going to rack my mind. And to the contrary, he says, right now, instead of being fearful and anxiety-ridden, I want you to be happy. Didn't he say, be of good cheer? He gave him a commandment, be of good cheer. You know, sometimes we, we, we think of these things as, as something that's just kind of out of reach, like we'll never obtain happiness, that happiness is kind of this elusive creature that, that, that we're running around like we're trying to chase some leprechaun at the end of a rainbow or something that we're never going to find. But when Jesus tells us to be happy, we can be. Why? Because it's him. One of the greatest greatest ways to deal with fear and anxiety is to just stop thinking about what's giving us the fear and anxiety and just start thinking about Jesus Christ. It's Him. Have you ever just sat down and thought about who Jesus Christ is? He walked on water. 
He fed 5,000 plus. He changed water into wine. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He cast out devils. He died on the cross for my sin and rose again so that I would have a relationship with him. And he did that because he's expressing his love towards me. There is no fear and there is no anxiety in that. And when that becomes the thought process, when that becomes the meditation of our heart, when that becomes the focus of the situation, which is what it became because they were worried that Jesus wasn't there, but he was. They were worried about the circumstances, but that all changed. All of these things happen by the power of God. I want you to turn over to the book of Galatians. I'm going to take a look at a couple of passages of Scripture and we'll be done. Book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 2. In Galatians chapter 2, Paul, um, Paul makes a, a comment in verse 20. And he says, uh, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live, I live in the, fl- uh, in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And this becomes one of the most important things that we can think about. He says, Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me. Christ is already in the boat. Christ is already in the boat. But what do we do? We frantically row, flail about. But Christ is already there. Waiting for him to show up in our life. Waiting for him to do something. Well, he's already done something. Man, isn't salvation enough? If the only thing that you had in this life was salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord, is that not enough? It's more than enough. It's more than enough to have the forgiveness of sins. It's more than enough to have eternal life in Him. But there He is in us. Turn over to the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Second Corinthians chapter 5. And I want you to notice here in verse 17... It says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. He says, therefore, if any man be in Christ. So I want you to understand this. Paul said, Christ is in us and we are in him. Christ is in us 
and we are in him. Romans chapter 6 talks about how we are baptized into Christ. When we look at this, we clearly see that here we are in him and he's in us, that we have that relationship that we can sit there and say, I can be of good cheer. Why? Because it is Christ that dwells in me. I will not be afraid. If he tells us we can have be of good cheer, meaning it's a commandment to be cheerful, then he can give us a commandment to say, I need to put away the fear. You know what that means? It can be. I don't have to live with it. I don't have to deal with it on a day-to-day basis. But I can choose to be of good cheer. And I can choose to not be afraid. And why is that? Turn finally to Psalm chapter 56. These are familiar passages. We should know these passages. And they are a great comfort to us. Psalm chapter 56 and in verse 3. Here's the psalmist saying this. What time I am afraid... I will trust in thee. In God I will praise his word. In God I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. He chose to think about God. He chose to be in God. He chose to trust God. The whole reason why Jesus Christ constrained his disciples to go where they didn't think he was, where they were going to be in the dark, where they were going to be wrestling with those situations. You know what happened? God was working on them trusting him. There is a purpose to your anxiety. There is a purpose to your fear. The purpose behind that is that you will begin to trust Jesus more. You may be in a circumstance that God told you to go into. You may be in a circumstance of your own doing. You may be fretting over something and worrying about something. And trust me, from somebody that was called a worry wart, I can tell you, I can find everything to worry about. I can worry about COVID. I can worry about monkeypox. I can worry about Ebola. I can worry about the economy. I can worry about Democrats. I can worry about Republicans. I can worry about Libertarians. I can worry about Antifa. I can worry about Proud Boys. I can worry about racism. I can worry about, I can worry. Right? I can worry about crime. I can worry about the state of the city. I can worry about the state of this state. I can worry about the state of the country. I can worry about the state of the world. I can worry about all those things. But when the word of God comes to me and it says, be of good cheer, I'm going to choose to say, I will stand in Christ. I will trust him. I will not fear What's going to happen? I will not fear the unknown. 
the fear of the unknown. When I realized that, when I realized I had a fear of the unknown, I came to a realization. I just wasn't trusting Christ. But since I'm in him and he's in me, and he's never failed me, he's never lied to me, I began to found comfort in his word. When he said, be of good cheer, it is I. Isn't it interesting that he is called the word of God? He's right there. He's in me. I am in him. Be of good cheer. It's Jesus. Be not afraid. The cheer that the disciples had was because Jesus Christ was near. And they received him into the boat. Will you receive him into the boat today? Will you let him work in your life? Will you let him use that anxiety and that fear and the emotions that we have and that we go through? Will you let him use that for his honor, for his glory, his praise, as you trust him more every single day? Will you trust him? Let's stand for prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time, and I thank you again, Lord, for what you've given to us. I thank you again for these accounts that you've preserved for us, and Lord, what they can teach us. And Lord, I pray that we as Christians, as we struggle day to day, sometimes we're racked with fear and guilt, and Lord, you know my life, and you know that I've wrestled with that, and Lord, you know that I continue to wrestle with things. But Lord... It's just such a great comfort when I just change the thought to you. How can I please you? How can I serve you? Willingly receiving you. Allowing you to work in my life. Lord, I pray that we would understand the concept of this this morning. I pray, Lord, that you'd just teach us. I pray, Lord, that we would just desire to have that relationship with you. That our automatic default is when fear comes, trust is right there to comfort and to guide and to direct as we draw near to you. Again, Lord, I thank you for this and I thank you for this time. And I ask and pray this in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.